Thanks for listening to the Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at Athleta. Like Goop, Athleta celebrates the feminine energy within all of us. For over 25 years, they have been empowering women through movement, and their mission is to inspire a community of barrier breakers. They aim to create clothing with a thoughtful approach, and they're a certified B Corp, which means they use business as a force for good, benefiting both people and the planet. Head to athleta.com and use promo code GOOP10 for 10% off your next purchase through this December. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In the sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations. Because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. A few weeks ago, we had our 10th InGoop Health Wellness Summit in Los Angeles. This one in particular felt like a big homecoming for us. Part of what made it so special was that Gwyneth got to sit down with three brilliant women, Allison Felix, Amy Griffin, and Cameron Diaz. All three of these women are redefining what it means to be powerful. Allison is the most decorated Olympic track and field athlete of all time. She started her own footwear company after not feeling supported by her previous sponsor during her pregnancy. Amy is a huge champion and investor of women who pivoted back into her career after having children. And Cameron forged a new path for herself and co-founded Aveline, an organic wine company. During their panel conversation, they each shared the stories behind their life changes. And now, we're glad you can listen in. Okay, so just for context, Allison here, she is the most decorated American track and field athlete of all time. (laughs) She has 11 Olympic and 20 world championship medals. Wow. And she's made history in lots of other ways too. Now, on the end there is Amy Griffin, who's an amazing person, an investor. She is one of the biggest champions of women out there in the whole world. An incredible investor, mostly in female founders and just an extraordinary friend. And then you've got this lady over here, (laughs) who's one of my best friends in the whole world. And you've really achieved an incredible career not only she's still the biggest movie star ever even after not working for 10 years and of all of all my friends probably the most curious and the most voracious learner and she is a founder herself now Aveline wine a better for you wine how much do we love Aveline 
So thank you for helping me welcome these amazing women. Okay. So let's get to it. I guess I would like to ask each of you, really, how for yourselves, how do you define power? Well, first I'll say the definition of power is something that I've always thought was, you think it's external, and you think it's something as the way that someone sees you and that makes you powerful because of the way they talk to you and they look up to you and they see you on Instagram. But I think really what I've recognized both in my career and with GP as a friend, and I would say this with her in the room in front of you, both GP and Cameron have both been friends who you see in front of you and they do have the power, but I can say that why they are powerful is not because of what they do in front of all of you, it's because of what they do behind the scenes. And I can promise you that I've seen them not just with me, but with hundreds of women like today. But I think that's where power really comes from. So I think we have that power inverse backwards. Yeah, I mean, that really resonates with me as well. I think the ability to navigate life storms, the adversity, you know, that we all face and the courage, the bravery that it takes, to me, that's really at the core of what power is. And I think we all experience it in different ways and it evolves in us at different times. Um, but yeah, manifesting that I'm going to have to go with the same theme. I think it's power comes from within. It's not how others view you, as Amy said. And it's also with, you know, experience and how you weather the storms. Resilience is um, something I think is highly, we don't look at resilience as a, how it becomes tangible in our life. We, we think about like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make it through this. And on the other side, I'm just going to, I'm going to be happier. Things are going to be easier, but you always carry the weight of that experience and lesson with you. And that becomes, that gains to your power. It's why it's so great getting older. Actually, it's why you don't want to, nobody for me, I'm in my fifties. I don't ever want to be in my barely. 25. Well, She's barely. I'm in my tw I'm she does this 52. all the time. But so I'm are you. You're barely. She, she turned 51 in August and she says. I'm she's on my way to 52, baby. Um, <laughs> I get there before you. I'll let you know how it goes. But I think that we take that, we, we, as we get older, that all of that information and our ability to be more resilient and vulnerable at the same time, which doesn't sound like they go to hand in hand, but they're actually like, they're the same as, you know, happiness and sadness. They touch each other at all times. You can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think resilience and vulnerability is true power. How do you cultivate that resilience? Like, is it in how you don't react to something? Are you creating space between like an event and how you respond? I think it has to do with surrender because it's sort of anything that's rigid breaks. Anything that can be fluid will go with the flow and there's so much information in the flow. That's where all, all the data is. That's where all the information is in our bodies. When we hold rigid, whether it's in our beliefs or in our body or in our emotions, we miss the opportunity to be taken with the information. And that's where, you know, we're like, humans are sponges, we can't help it. Like, you look at children who are, you know, two, three years old, and, you know, from birth to five, that, that, that growth is so insane, because what, what are they doing to, with that growth? How are they getting there so rapidly? It's the most exponential, like, 
you know, growth there is in our, in our whole lifetime, it's because they're just soaking everything up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're doing it, whether it's good for them or bad for them, whatever <laughs> their environment is, they're soaking that up and they're taking that and they're applying it every second of the day. So that's sort of, I think of like rigidity is something that really stops us from being able to become resilient. It's really, and again, it's that thing that's like res resilience and, and vulnerability, being able to go with the flow and, and against something really powerful is I think also sort of one and the same. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. For more than 25 years, the Athleta team has empowered women through movement. We were excited to partner with them on InGoop Health for a number of reasons. They, like Goop, believe in cultivating the feminine strength inside all of us, the part that encourages and values collaboration, intuition, vulnerability, and creativity. Or as they put it, the power of she. Since 1998, Athleta has been creating products designed to support women in all the ways they move. A few favorites this season include the Salutation Stash Tight, their number one tight made with soft fabric, gentle compression, and side pockets. The Rainier Tight is a denser fabric tight with reflective details for winter workouts. And the Venice Jogger is designed with breathable, lightweight fabric to keep you comfortable wherever you go. What's also exciting about Athleta is that they are a certified B Corp committed to both people and the planet. Head to athleta.com and use promo code GOOP10 to take 10% off your next purchase through this December. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. How do you guys cultivate your power? Do you have a practice around it? How do you relate to your power? I think a lot's changed for me in the last few years. Maybe it is getting older, maybe it's becoming wiser, maybe it's being a mother. But I think for me, a lot of it is leaning into the femininity, leaning into my feminine side. I think especially in the business world, even growing up in a family business where my father ran the business, I thought I had to, everything had to be masculine. So every time I walked into a room, I put a guard up. And every time I walked into a room, there was something I can't, there were things I couldn't even necessarily describe as to why they were masculine. But I think that there's something really powerful about flipping the switch about femininity and saying, no, 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 I'm going to walk in the boardroom, I'm going to talk about my skirt and that it's cute, and I'm going to talk about it with the other women in the room, and I'm going to say, look how cute she looks, and wow, you look beautiful today, and I'm going to lift another woman up, and I'm not going to do what has been the traditional when I walk in a boardroom. And so just flipping that on its yes. head was hard. And kind of scary, and kind of scary, but it's taken women like you to do that, and I think... Well, I could go into this all day, next question, but I think lifting each other up, we just got to keep pushing each other along. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, it's really taken time to come into my power. I think as an athlete, for so long, I've, I've had to be hyper-focused on just the performance. I mean, for us, it's every four years, I get an opportunity that's, if I do it right, 21 seconds long. <laughs> and so it's a lot. And I think, you know, I was so focused on, on that for such a long time, I didn't realize that I had power, that I could speak, that I could use my voice in different capacities. And I think it took experience in really discovering it. And I think a lot of it was around motherhood and, and coming into that strength. But I think it's, it's okay if it's a journey to get there. It's about discovering it. 
What spurred you to create your own your own brand that you you really I know you really built it around this idea of female empowerment and I think something might have happened when you were pregnant that <laughs> you, yeah. you reacted yes, to. Yes, it did. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. When I was pregnant, I, I had been with Nike for almost a decade, and I wasn't fully supported through my pregnancy. Basically, what happened was maternal protections weren't offered. So in track and field, the contracts are performance-based. And you go to the Olympics, you go to world championships, you get a bonus. You don't, you get a reduction. If you have a baby, there's nothing in place to protect you. And so I had a, a huge fight over asking for maternal protections, asking for time to be able to recover and get back to top form mm. after having a baby. And so I actually did part ways with them over that. They eventually changed their policy when I wrote a New York Times op-ed about it. <laughs> it was a great op-ed, by the way, amazing. Um, and then I had a beautiful, natural partnership with Athleta, and everything changed. I had a true seat at the table, um, and I became empowered. I started to see how business can be done different, how women having a seat at the table really, truly looks. And then I naturally went into starting my own footwear company. I learned that shoes haven't been made for women. The majority of shoes are made off of a last sneakers, a last, which is just a mold of a foot. And it's been a man's foot used to make women's sneakers. And so, yeah, I, I thought I was creating shoes that I could wear in the Olympics. And I was like, okay, I'll have to do this myself. But once I learned that, I was like, women deserve better. And mm -hmm. I, I feel so passionate that I get to wake up and do that every day and just build community and say that we deserve more. Mm. Can I just say one thing about that? Yes. In hearing that you designed a shoe for women, I think there's an incredible book, if you haven't read it, called Invisible Women that talks about all the different sectors of how women have been left out of the conversation. And in it, one of the things that really struck me was that when the drug Ambien was first invented, that they actually never had women tested. Women were not included in the study, so women were wandering into hospitals like, <laughs> because they weren't given the right amount of Ambien. So to think in oh, every field... Which is how most medication, medication is right? done. All so, medication right? is... All medication is done. It's right. dosed to, to, for a man's body. Tested on yeah. man. Yeah, so it's crazy. So I would love to talk to each a little bit about motherhood because I do think that, you know, we're all involved in business. We're all mothers. And, you know, having had a career before you became a mother, like, let's start, and you as well. I feel like you were a mother first and then you really found your career afterwards. So how has being a mother changed your relationship to your professional life? I think that it's, you know, for me, it just became my priority. My work was always my priority and my life sort of revolved around whatever film I was doing. And it was kind of like this excuse to not do anything else because I was just, I'm working, you know? And it was very fruitful. I mean, that kind of focus will get you places, but it wasn't, you know, after a while, it just wasn't fulfilling any longer because I knew what it was to make a movie. I've done it, I don't know how many times, but I've done a lot of them. 
So I, you know, kind of felt like it was time, you know, to explore other aspects of life. I met my husband who basically informed me, and as you had prior, that I was a mother and that I had to be a mother, which was her rally cry to me every time I walk into the room, you are a mother, you're going to be a mother. I was like, okay, relax, Can, do you have water in here? Is there any, I smell pasta. <laughs> but my husband had the same idea. <laughs> and so- We won. <laughs> you guys won. And so, you know, being a mom now, it really is, it's just now, it's everything. It's another aspect, it's been so healing. It's been the most healing um, experience of my life. And I'm so grateful that I did it actually when I did and not when I was young, because I would have children who hated me right now. (laughs) Uh, They wouldn't be talking to me. But I have one, I hope that when I'm, you know, 75. <laughs> she's going Next off the month, going off the she's 75. <laughs> when she's in sixth grade. <laughs> oh, she'll still want to talk to me. <laughs> oh but God. I don't know. Did that was that a satisfying question? Yes. Okay. Answer it again. I'm satisfied. Okay, great. Are you guys satisfied? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Allison, how about you? Because you in the midst of this unbelievable career, which is so physical, so, so such a different set of challenges, you know, than for someone like the two of us who are doing movies and then have a baby and it's like, wow, okay, well, how am I gonna work this around my schedule in life? But like, this is your body, yeah. like your work is your body yeah. and you created a human in your body. So how, how did you reconcile those things? It was challenging, but Motherhood really just gave me a whole different outlook and perspective. I think I had always just felt like my purpose was medals. It was like medals, world records, that's what it's about. And having my daughter just shifted all of that. And it, it changed my purpose and the way that I looked at success from only seeing it as a gold medal to how can I have impact and how can I show my daughter and teach her these different things through sport. And so it just it motivated me even more and and made me want to uh, do more, just fired me up. And I I love that it really just centered me and gave me a whole new um, outlook on how I approach sport and business as well. It just, Mm -hmm. it really pushed me in that direction. By the way, I love your Olympic necklace, like a very casual flex. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Amy, so I think your journey is so interesting and so relevant to women here as well because you got married on the younger side, you had four kids, and then you started to contemplate, okay, like what would it mean for me to be more than just a mother? Can I give myself permission to do that? And you had this incredible passion for helping founders. So will you talk a little bit about that transition that you went through? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how if there's one thing I can say outside of having my children or my marriage that I'm the most proud of, is not a certain investment in one company, although I do get really excited when I see a woman build something and I get to be part of it, having been an athlete. Not like you, but an athlete. But that transition of me saying, I'm really going to do this and I'm going to be taken seriously because I'm going to take myself seriously was a really big moment in my life because I'd sat on 
um, had the opportunity. My husband had a big career, and I thought, well, that was just, that's my lot in life, that I'm, I'm very Southern, I'm very rooted in making sure the children are taken care of, and I did every single PTA meeting. I ran them like, you could not believe. I ran, <laughs> I ran the best PTA meeting on the planet. To the point where the preschool head said to me at one point in time, my goodness, you could run a small to medium-sized country. <laughs> I said to her, why not a large country? <laughs> but I had a friend that said to me at one point, she said, so I spoke at a conference once and she sat with me and she came running up to me and she said afterwards, don't tell people that you took a break. And I said, well, what do you mean? I mean, I did, I took a break. And so I did have this moment when I stopped. I was in marketing. I worked at Sports Illustrated. I traveled the world, not as an athlete, which I had. Probably saw you run. But then took this break to raise my children. And I would say that the thing I'd say about that was I'm super proud that I had the ability to say I'm not going to be shameful of not knowing what I'm doing. I'm just going to jump in and do what my skill set, what I'm good at. And I'm just going to keep helping and trying and I'm not going to have any shame around it. The second thing I was going to say about that, though, that pause, was that my husband also transitions such that he now takes the kids to the orthodontist. Mm -hmm. So I have that partnership. Otherwise, with four kids in New York City, I wouldn't be able to do that. So you can't have it all at one time. I think that is a myth. Mm -hmm. yeah. But did you feel at all like, oh boy, you know, everyone sees me as like the lady who runs PTA and now I'm stepping That's why the... I'm so proud. I also yeah. didn't want to be known as my husband's wife. I yeah, didn't want yeah. to be known as his wife. And I think one of the things I say all the time is I had to really sit with myself and say, okay, you know, I, I want to make my own name for myself. And I can remember I was sitting at a meeting a few years ago in LA in a booth and someone said, wait, I don't, oh, that's your husband? Oh, I had no idea. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. And, and Allison, I just want to ask you again about, well, a little bit more about the shoes, because is it true that you're the first athlete to ever wear her own shoe brand in an event? Yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. The first athlete, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, and for me, you know, being able to compete at my last Olympics was in Tokyo, and that was my, my fifth. And it was just a, a full circle moment and just the highlight of my career. I had overcome so many, so much adversity and all of that whole ordeal and making it back to the Olympics when I really felt like I wasn't believed in and all of that. And for me, standing on that line was a moment where it was much bigger than sport. It was about being a represent, representation to women and to mothers and to my own daughter. And then to wear, be wearing Seish, you know, shoes that my company built was just, it was an incredible moment. That's amazing. 20 years of training. That's incredible. 20, right? Amazing. 25. 20, 20, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Long time. I want to ask you about your entrepreneurial journey and, you know, here you are sort of, I don't know, because you, you went into this kind of beautiful hibernation from movies and you really just like allowed yourself, like you went into a chrysalis and you met your husband and you had your beautiful girl and sort of towards the end of that, I think, is when you started incubating the idea for Aveline. Tell me a little bit about why you started a, that company, a wine company. What were you inspired by? Mm -hmm. And why that instead of like going back to do a movie? Well, I was kind of, you know, Catherine Power, my partner, who you all know Catherine Power, I'm sure she started Who What Wear, Merit, Color Makeup, and Versed Skincare. 
and she's my partner in Aveline. She's just a phenomenal entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, she's just, it's like a master class with her. She really just knows how to do it. She understands not just how to, you know, the, the ins and outs of like the actual building of a business, but how to really find, like build a brand. And I think the brand, brand is so important, you know, and Catherine and I were, you know, we're friends through my sister-in-law, Nicole Ritchie. And so whenever we were together, which was often at gatherings, we were just having a glass of wine. We'd find each other and we'd kind of sit off to the side. We're both kind of like, you know, homebodies and don't really like to go out. And we kind of, the quiet ones and the, yes, the quiet ones and the, <laughs> and the, in the, in the crew. And we, one day we were just like at my house sitting, having, having a glass of wine on the porch and we're just going, I can't have another glass of wine. I've had one, that's enough. And then it's like, why? You know, I used to be able to slam that shit. <laughs> that wasn't actually what we said. Okay, but, but it was like, really, how does that, like, how does, you know, it's because we're in our, you know, I'm in my 40s, she's in her 30s, whatever. So we realized, you know, if we turned around the, the bottle to look at the back where we're so, we're used to finding information, you know, ingredient lists, nutritional values, there was none of that there. And that was the first time I'd ever questioned it. And we both thought, is this, you know, we work so hard to like put clean beauty, you know, on our face and eat organic food and clean our houses with, you know, safe solutions and all these things, and yet we'd never questioned our wine. <laughs> and so we sort of took a deep dive into the winemaking process, and it, we didn't have to take that deep of a dive at first because it was once we found out that there was, you know, over 70 ingredients that could be added to the winemaking process without any oversight, <laughs> what were they? Things we could not, you know, pronounce, basically. And they were used for all different reasons, but the basics, which we found really, really shocking, was colors, sugars, and concentrates, which in anything that you eat, like anytime I turn something over and it says color, sugar, or concentrate, I just don't consume it. So not only that, but we couldn't, we, there was no way of telling in the wines that we were drinking whether or not the wine we were drinking, how it was made, and moreover, how it was farmed because organically grown grapes is like the key to everything, right? Organic. When we buy or if we, if you ever buy a, a, a conventionally grown vegetable or fruit, you know, there's all these products that you soak your, your food in for 15 minutes to get all the pesticides off. That's not really something that's happening in the winemaking process when you, when there's a, an organic, I mean, a conventionally grown grape. So how much of the pesticides are making it into the winemaking process? I don't want to know. I don't want to take the chance. I want a organically grown grapes. So we basically just set off to make our own wine because that's the wine we wanted to drink. But we also really wanted for, to, to inform, educate, and also provide an option and for it to be everywhere you know, you shop. We were told very early on that we, to achieve what we achieved almost in the first year of sales would take us 10 years. And we basically have broke that, we, you know, just after, our, yeah, our second year. So, yeah, it's really cool. And, but, you know, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it if Catherine hadn't, you know, I'm kind of, it's sort of that thing, like, you're going to be a mother. I'm like, no, I'm not a mother. Catherine's like, you're going to do, you're going to build a business. I'm like, I am? Okay. All right. 
let's do it. And it's just, it was fun. Like once we got, once we just started doing it, was like, it just, it was my friend and we were doing, we, we went to France, we went to Spain, we found our own wine, we knocked on doors, literally like, let us in, we want your wine. You know, like fully just going into it with the mindset that we can and we will and we're gonna do it. And we kept going and going and going and it was just one foot after the other after the other until we had Aveline. And I really loved that for myself as a mother because I didn't have to be out in I didn't, it was, it was a process that we, I did from home basically, yeah. you know. And helps us all get through bath time and bedtime. Yes, exactly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, so, you know, you're an investor that's really known for your soft power. Like, we sort of talked about this before, but you have an incredible warmth and disarmament and, and generosity. And you, talk, you touched on this a little bit, but, like, I think this idea of, our particular brand of power as women. It's so different to the way men approach things. And, you know, I always say, like, there's these sort of archetypal feminine qualities, like nothing to do with actual gender, but the archetypal qualities of softness, receptiveness, creativity, collaboration, these are all, like, the archetypal feminine types. So... How have you been able to really bring those through and, you know, kind of lean into this idea of feminine power? And then how are you also able to draw a boundary? Like if you're saying no, you know, to... I don't have boundaries. You told me that. <laughs> I knew she'd bring up the word boundary with me somehow today. I'm getting better. That's why you're my friend. But you are because, look, like, you know, I think we all have trouble with boundaries like we were talking about earlier and yet like especially if you're leaning into that feminine way like a boundary's hard like a bound like my 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 shrink our sh our shrink <laughs> would say like the archetypal male qualities are of like power boundary you know coldness and and you're the opposite of that so how do you i guess my question is embody all the feminine power but run a business where you also have to have boundaries well, I was saying this last week at a tech conference when a man was asking me the same question. And I said, I don't really know anything any different. I don't know anything any different, but I do know when I go off course. And I know when I go off course and I feel unsettled or, I mean, Gwyneth and I have talked about this. I love, I love, anytime I need a moment of coming up with a boundary, I call her. But I love when you said to me once, when you get an email and you don't know how to respond to it, take a pause. Take that pause, take a breath. I know, again, as a woman, a Southern woman, my first instinct was, where does the casserole need to be? Who needs it? You know, how can I bring it? When can I come over in five minutes? And I think that there is real power when I sit with myself to say, okay, let me take a step back and then be really authentic in my response. And I think that I've grown so much as a person through my job, which is why I do it. Because there are times when I have to send emails that people don't like, when I might say, I'm not going to be a dream killer and say, this is never going to work. But I also do feel that I owe women, it's a responsibility for me as an investor. I also, I don't think of myself as a capitalist, by the way. I think of myself as a builder. I think most women would say that. I'm not looking to say I have to have a 20X to be involved in anything. As a woman, which is different than men, I'm looking to how I can be involved 
with these women? Who can I help? How can I be on their team, right? And what can we do together to build something? But there are those times when I realize that I'm actually doing someone a real favor when I say to them, have you looked at the business model? I, I really don't know that this can scale to be venture. Or this is a great business, but just run it. Don't take venture capital money so that you feel you can say to your, to your neighbor, I have venture capital money. No, you're going to lose control of your company. So I think that that's something that instinctually we have, but I have to really check in with it. And then I would just say, which is like on the mystical side of, of my life, that I don't know if those of you know of the, the goddess Kali, but Kali is this beautiful, powerful, mystical god. And when I think of Kali, she, can, she is so powerful that both in business or life or as a mother, whatever you want to do, Kali can really help you out. But when Kali goes off track, she can burn everything down in one second with her claws, right? And so I think as a woman, I have to step back and say like, ooh, Kali's coming out. <laughs> I got to put Kali back. So, That's why men are so afraid of women, though. Right? I mean, so we, we do have this we collective can build power. And we can destroy just like them. We, we have this collective power that we haven't used, but it's so inherent to us that we've been trying for so long to be like them. No, we should just be like us. Yes. 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 Imagine the world if women ran it. Please, please let it happen. For real. Allison, I have a question for you that I'm very curious about. So, as somebody who is a recovering perfectionist, who's driven herself towards these uh, hard-to-define goals, like, when you're doing track and field, it's so clear what the success metrics are. So... How are you able, I guess, like, it's a two-part question. Number one, like, how are you able to bring a softness around winning, if you can? Like, where does the feminine go with that kind of hardcore winning when you're, like, driving so hard towards a specific outcome? Yeah, it took me time to figure it out. I think I got it wrong for a long time because it is so clear-cut. I mean, success is measured, you know, in my sport very clearly. You win or you lose. So it really took shifting that definition of success for me. Instead of being, you know, married to this idea that it can only be for one way, I used to be just devastated after a, a poor race. You know, I, I went to the Olympics three times, it was the third time before I, I won that gold medal. And so you know, to be my second Olympics, I was the favorite, I was expected to win, you know, my sponsors expected it. And when I didn't, it was, I went to a really dark place. It was really, really hard. I was embarrassed. I felt like I let everyone down. And so it really took unpacking that in time to understand that the way that I define success, that I'm in control of that, and that it's not just winning. It's what can I do with the platform that I have? How can I impact someone? How can I create change? And don't get me wrong, I, I love to win. <laughs> I love gold medals. Um, but it's, it's, it's honestly, it's bigger than that. And it's bigger than sport. And I think there is a, I feel a responsibility there. And so I think that's how I bring it. It's, it is being unapologetically yourself as well. And it took time to, to step into that and to say that I'm going to be me. And I think that is a softer kind of energy than some of the, the men that are winning the 100-meter dash. You know, it's a different sort of thing, and it's okay um, to bring my full self to that. Yeah. 
Don't you also think that it's process, like as you get older, that femininity is around process, like for you in making a movie or for anything, that there's a real feminine quality to the process of something rather than the outcome? I love the process of it. To me, process. like I love starting at nothing right? and building, and I, I do think it, it comes over time. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what, what do you think it is about process? Like, to me, I, I think that's a real sign of maturity, right? Because I think I used to have this very binary idea around what success was. It's like, is there a medal or not? Right? And I was driving myself because of, oh, well, all kinds of childhood shit and whatever, right? But it's like driving so hard towards something. And I think relenting into the process was painful for me. And now I understand why, but why or how for each of you is the process meaningful and how have you been able to let go of these ideas of like a binary win or loss? I think it goes back to a little bit of that radical honesty again about, I mean, we've talked about this so much, GP, just the idea of when you know who you are, when you know, when you can be honest, this is the same thing, like when we relate motherhood, business, and, you know, motherhood and, motherhood and dating. Like, it's kind of all the same thing. I think I've used in my investment process, motherhood and dating is the same thing. It's like long no, I look, it's not working, it's not working. Short yes, 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 I'm in. But I think that that true radical honesty is just, you know, is really important. Yeah, for me, having like a singular focus for such a long time and then reaching that goal and it not feeling like what I thought it was gonna be. I remember like I finally got this gold medal. I it had been years and years to get to that point. And then I thought like everything was gonna be different. I remember coming back home and like everything was the same. <laughs> and it was like I had been so focused on this one thing that I missed all of the magic along the way. Like the process is where you stretch and you grow and you become. And I think there's something so beautiful about taking the time to lean into that, all of it, like the failures and the highs, the lows, all of it. And so for me, that's what I really now enjoy about process instead of only focusing on the one success. Mm. I, I feel like there's, in process, you, you think that you're working towards a goal, like there's an end to it, like you're saying, that you're going to get there and it's going to be different somehow, but I feel like process is just continuous, it's life, we're just in it, and no matter what, like I can still feel something tangible out there that I haven't quite touched yet, you know what I mean? Like I know it's there, but I haven't yet gotten to it. I'm not saying it's the end of things. It's not like the, you know, like that's the goal, but it's like, it, it's almost like in the journey, you know that there's always a beginning of something there it's and then there's an end to something and then there's another beginning. I feel like as you go through a process, go through process or when I go through a process, I kind of don't know how long it's going to take to like go through the full cycle of it, but I, it's almost like as I'm getting towards the end of it, somehow there's just a little something that's out there beyond it that lets me know that there's yet another thing that I'm gonna go through the process of. And I think that that is something that I kind of just like, it's almost like a, you know, like this moment's gonna end. It's gonna be a moment where you don't have it again. It's like somebody said to me, my brother-in-law Joel says, you know, you'll never know if it's the last bottle you give them or the last diaper you change. You just don't know which time that's gonna be. Or the last time, yesterday my daughter was like, here mom, hold this rock. And I was like, yeah, put it in my pocket, because why? 
I'm going to carry every rock until she stops asking me for it. <laughs> and it's that thing of like, okay, how many rocks do I have in this, po- in this process? I have so many, but I know that there's the next iteration of this is going to be something else that I get to like hold on to. Okay, so I'm going to ask you all one last question. I think what I would like to ask most is like when you think about kind of the next 10 years that you all have ahead of you, like what, what is it that you want to achieve both professionally and personally? Like is there something that you're working on currently that you really want to see come to fruition? I, I look at my company, Seisha, as really a legacy piece and an opportunity to leave something behind. And so just continuing to grow that, you know, trying to do things differently. We have a maternity returns policy, which basically says if your feet grow during pregnancy, we'll give you a new pair of shoes. And so trying to push the industry and also just being present as a mother, you know, it's my greatest joy getting to just see my daughter grow and, you know, wanting to teach her all the lessons and do all the things, all the small things that when I was just traveling so much, I wasn't able to do. So yeah, those are kind of the big things for me. I'll just say continuing to grow the network of lifting women up like every day. And I think that for me, rather than it being a 10-year goal, if I can look at it from a day-to-day moment where I can feel every day that there was someone that I lifted up or that I feel good about how I've made someone, you know, help them build their business, then in the next 10 years when I look back, I'll be really proud of what I did. Amazing. Yeah, I think that more and more in this world, the examples that I'm seeing of, you know, where power lies and how power is put out into the world is, you know, of the masculine, as Amy, as you talked about, like in the really powerful places, you know, that, that shifts and moves needles and, and, and shapes our world. It's a masculine energy. And I just feel like there's got to be a movement that happens with women. And I think it does start at the smallest level. It's like, if, if more women owned, you know, built businesses and owned businesses and created businesses for women, then all those dollars, all of that money leaves the brands that were built and managed by men. And we keep just building and building and building and creating more and more power and empowerment with women and helping, other, helping women understand that how powerful they are and how important, you know, their choices are and where they can, you know, believe in themselves to make, an, an, even if it's just in your own, you know, where you can reach, how far out can you reach? It doesn't have to be, you know, Amy does it on this global level, like, so do you and you and like, I'm just making wine, but there's, you know, but how, but, but impactfully in, in your closest circle, the people you can touch, like, how do you uplift the women in your life and, and help them believe in themselves? And if one gets further than the other and the next gets further, like, that's the goal. It's not for everybody to be, like, held at the same standard. We want to elevate women. We want them to do better. It doesn't matter if they are doing better than me or her or her, like, just do it. Get out there and do it. So I think that's kind of theirs. (laughs) Well, thank you three so much. This was an incredible panel and very meaningful. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. 
thanks for tuning into Gwyneth's conversation with Allison Felix, Amy Griffin, and Cameron Diaz. We hope you enjoyed hearing their wisdom today. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.